Today we're continuing our series called Control Freak. Everybody like that? I love that title, by the way, Pastor Chris. I'm just telling you, I, I really do. And um, we're talking about con- things that, that try to control you and uh, you control them. And, um, and I think it's an appropriate title because, folks, we are going to be uh, controlled by something. We, we really are. We're going to be controlled unintentionally by the devil or the flesh who tries to destroy us and uh, wants nothing but bad in our lives. Or we're going to willfully submit our lives to Jesus and we're going to let God control us and his plan is to bless us in every way. Amen? It's kind of a, kind of a, a simple choice there. So today we're going to be talking about control your money, all right? Control your money. And the uh, first thing I want to do is I want to kind of jump on board with what Pastor Chris said last week. He said, controlling your mind is the starting, pa- is the starting point to controlling your mouth, Amen? So we know that sometimes what comes out of mind, it starts as a thought, or uh, in many occasions, for many of us, lack of a thought, and uh, it just it just comes out of our comes out of our mouth, right? And um, and so you know when it comes to money, the same thing is true. What's in our heart will reflect how we live and how we give. It, it, it's just it's just how it works. Um, I mentioned to the New Covenant College of Biblical Studies Monday night that talking about this, I said, you know what, I can tell you what somebody believes by what's in their checkbook, okay? You, you want to know, I mean, let me have, let's just take a look at your, uh, your bank statement, where you've spent your money, and it will say a lot about what you, uh, what you really believe. And we've got to get this, okay, right up front here, and we're jumping in, uh, but right up front, we cannot disconnect okay, money from what's going on in our heart. It, it's, it, it's just impossible to do that. So your beliefs and your values will show up in how you use the financial resources that God has given you. And this is true of all of our resources that God gives us, whether it's money or whether it's our, our time, our opportunities that God gives us, skills, uh, personalities, our gifts, uh, our spiritual gifts. They all, they all show what we really believe by how we use them, um, they show what we believe and what we value by how we use them, okay? So today I do want to start with a blanket presumption that we all, all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, all of us who say, Jesus is my Lord, I've submitted my life to him, and, and I believe, I believe the word of God, we've submitted to the authority of the word of God, so I'm going to start with the assumption that we believe that tithing, that giving offerings, that sharing with others, that caring for the poor, that living generously, that, that we're to be people who live our lives open-handedly looking to be a blessing everywhere we can by giving of all that we are. Well, we do that because it's our honor to do that. We do it as an act of worship. We, we give of all that we are. We give of all that we have because we really do, um, and, and we do it joyously Because we realize and we understand very clearly that everything that we have, and I absolutely positively mean everything that we have, that we received it from the Lord. There's, there's, amen, there's nothing we have we didn't receive, okay? Life, we received our lives, yes, okay? The only reason that we're here is because we, we have received it. James chapter 1 puts it like this in verse 17. He says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Everything comes from the Father. Everything. Your, 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 your wives come from the Father. I'm trying to help you guys. You better come on. Okay. 
Woo! Amen, right? Your, your husband's come with your father, right? Parents, your, your, I mean, kids, your parents come from, your, from, the, from the father. They come from God as a gift, right? We'll stop there. We don't want to go too, right? Now, children are a blessing from the Lord, right? They come, it all comes from the father. So life and breath and family and friends and job and, and money and clothes and everything that we have, it comes from God. So if there's a disconnect between what we believe or what we say that we believe, it's going to show up in one of two places, okay? So if we say one thing and live differently, it's going to show up. It's going to show up in what we do and, or maybe the same, it's, it's going to show up in how we do it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's dive in. When it comes to money, and I, I want to reference money and the heart of generosity at the same time. When it comes to money or generosity, number one, it's all about the heart. It really is. It's all about the heart. Now, this isn't something new. This is how God has established this from, from, from the beginning. It's all about the heart. It's about the heart when it comes to money. It's about the heart when it comes to giving. It's about the heart when it comes to generosity. And we can see that throughout the Scripture, throughout all of the Scriptures. One of the places that it really stands out, and I think it's pretty amazing to look at, is found in the Old Testament in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, King David is preparing. He's come to the kind of almost to the end of his life. And as he gets to the end of the life, God's told him, look, you're not going to be, he had in his heart to build a temple, to prepare, to have this wonderful dwelling place for God. And God says, you're not going to get to build the temple, but your son's going to build it. He said, but uh, you can provide the resources. And so David begins to motivate the people and share the vision for building the temple with the people. And, and the people catch the heart of what's going on. And this is what it says when the people had given. They had given just massive amounts. Go read it. It's, a, it's pretty amazing when you read the treasure and the talents and the gold and the silver and the, all of the, the wonderful resources that they gave. And the scripture goes and says in verse 9, it says, Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly with a whole heart. They had offered freely to the Lord. They had offered freely. It wasn't a job. It wasn't a task. It wasn't something they had to do. It was something they got to do, was they got to give. And the Bible says that as they gave, as they gave from a, a willing heart, as they gave freely to the Lord, that David the king also rejoiced. Goes on and says, therefore, because David rejoiced, because he saw the generosity, he saw the hearts of the people in their giving, it says that David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said this, he said, blessed, o Lord, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and forever. Yours, O Lord, listen, he's talking to God, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. All that is in the heavens and in the earth. It all belongs to the Lord, amen? It's all his. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as a head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. Does anybody believe that today, that God rules over everything, that it's all his, amen? So he goes on, he says, and in your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. So any strength that we have, any ability that we have, any resources that we have, it all comes from God. Amen? 
Amen. So then we flip the page to the next chapter. David has passed the kingdom on to his successor, his son, okay, to his son Solomon. And now Solomon is um, taking charge of the kingdom. And I, and I love the story. It says that, that Solomon began to make sacrifices, and he gave just these crazy amounts of sacrifices and, and offerings, and, and it was just overwhelming. And then said so God was so moved by his sacrifices that God made a statement to Solomon that he's never said, as far as I know, to anybody else. He said, Solomon, ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. Now, how many people would like somebody just to make that offer to you, right? Hey, Christmas is coming. Anybody got your Christmas list ready already? Just anything you want, baby, it's yours, right? So he could have asked for anything, but the scripture says this. It said that Solomon asked. Solomon asked for wisdom to be able to do what God wanted to do, to lead God's people the way he wanted them to, to what he, the way God wanted him to lead them. And here's God's response. God answered Solomon, he says, Solomon, because this was in your heart. See what he looked at? He looked at Solomon's heart. Well, he says, because this was in your heart and you've not asked for possessions or wealth and honor or the life of those you hate, right? We like to ask for that sometimes, right? You've not asked for long life, but what you've asked for is wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people over whom I've also made you king. He says, because you've got a right heart, look what he says here. He says, I'm going to give you wisdom and knowledge. That's going to be granted to you. And I'm also going to give you possessions and riches and honor, such as none of the kings who were before you. And nobody ever else is going to be blessed as much as you're going to be blessed. Is going to have as much as you have. Where did it start? It started in his heart to give and to sacrifice and to worship, right? And God saw that. God saw that. So because of a right heart, Solomon was allowed to build the temple. He was, he was allowed to be the one that, that we look back on and say he built the temple for God. The first place that God inhabited as his home on earth. Solomon had the privilege of building that. And when that took place, if you read the scripture, it says the people were blessed and they worshiped and they prayed and they honored God. And man, they just, they just had an amazing time. Uh, we've been praying for the glory of God. You know what the scripture says? It says they experienced the glory of God, that God came and inhabited that temple. But it started, it started with the right heart. You see, I think Solomon must have listened to his father, David. You know, David wrote a lot of the Psalms. And in Psalm 62, it says this. It said, uh, David's you know, leaving this on to, for his children. He says, if riches uh, increase, don't set your heart on them. If riches increase, don't set your heart on them. Keep your heart right. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. And we're going we're gonna to come back to that. But I want to go on to this next question, just as we're talking about that. What's in your heart? What's in your heart today? What's in my heart today? Are our hearts genuinely filled with gratitude and filled with appreciation, filled with thankfulness to God who has given us everything? Is that what's in our heart today? Or is our heart filled with any type of fear? Or maybe we deal or struggle with some type of a poverty mentality and we just think we'll never have enough and we'll never get what we need and God's never going to come through for us and the job's not going to show up and the resources aren't going to show up and we begin to have doubt in our heart or we maybe even our hearts get filled with selfishness. Anybody ever know anybody be selfish? No way. That's not who we are. 
That's not who we are. We are people who already understand the scriptures where it says in Proverbs 11 that there's one who freely gives yet he grows richer. Another withholds what he should give and he only suffers want. We're, we're people, right? We're people who say we've been blessed with so much that we can't not be people who are going to give and going to pour our lives out. We're going to do it with all that we are. We're going to do it with all that we have for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Over in the New Testament, um, Paul is writing to Timothy, his son in the Lord, and he's established him as a leader in the, in the church there. And he, and he says this to Timothy. He says, Timothy, I just want to remind you in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, listen, we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Man, we probably need to be reminded of that from time to time, don't we? Brought nothing in and we can take nothing out with us. He says, but if we have food and if we have clothing, with these things, we will be content. I highlighted that word in my notes this morning because I just, I just wonder how much contentment we see in our world today. We live in a world where it's almost like I got I to gotta have more, right? I got to have more stuff. I got to have more followers. I've got to have more likes. I've got to have more, right? More, more money, more. We got to have more, more. And what Paul is telling to, saying to his son is he said, listen, be content. Be content because if you're not content with what you have, you'll never be content no matter how much you have. Amen. You really, you really won't. And so he goes on and he says, those people that always desire more, those people, he says, those who desire to be rich, where, where do we desire it? We desire it in our heart, right? Those who desire in their hearts to be rich, they fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction and make them buy things on Amazon that they don't really want or need. <laughs> For the love of money, the scripture says, what? It's the root of all kinds of evils. The love of money. You know, this, um, this past uh, week over the weekend, um, one of the joys I got to um, participate in was um, helping Bradley, our son, that uh, his house, we kept noticing there was a wet spot in his yard and um, thought maybe there's something leaking or, you know, whatever that. And so uh, finally I got out there the other day and I kind of dug around in the dirt a little bit and I noticed there was water coming up, you know, coming up. And I said, you got a leak in your pipe. So I said, go out here and dig it out, you know. And, uh, and, and he, so he got out there and dug it out and found the pipe and everything. And, uh, and then, um, then I said, he said, well, uh, is, do you think that's the crack? I said, well, turn the water on. So he turned the water on and water shot up in the air about four. I said, I think we found it. This is probably, this, this is probably, probably where, it's, where it's at. And um, so then he, uh, we said, we have to, okay, we've got this, got to replace this pipe. But you know what had happened? It was interesting. We cut the pipe and we found out that there was a root on one of the trees. Then that root had just grown up to that pipe and had just began to just kind of bend the pipe until it broke, until it had a crack in it. So listen to the scripture again. It says, for the love of money is a root of all, kind of, of all kinds of evils. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves through with many pains, with many pangs. But as for you, is there a you here today? As for you, O oh man of God, 
Any men of God here today? Any people of God here today? As for you, people of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfast and gentleness. You know what he's saying? He's saying, keep your heart right, folks. Let's, let's keep our heart right. And then Paul goes on. He says, well, while I'm at it, let me just go ahead and talk to the rich people, okay? Now, I know somebody's saying, yeah, get on those rich people. Go ahead, right? But uh, if Paul was writing to us today, he'd say, everybody who's in this building today, you're the rich people. Anybody ride here in a car today? Or better yet, a truck or a Jeep, right? Right? Yeah, right? Yeah. You rode here today. You got more than one set of clothes. You have more than one pair of shoes. You've already eaten at least one meal and had a couple donuts to top it off, right? You know, you're among the rich. In our world, you are part of the rich. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them, instruct them, command them, remind them not to be haughty nor to be set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Don't put your hopes, don't let your heart get fixed on money, on finances, on resources. He says, but on, the, um, but on God who richly provides us with everything to do what? To enjoy God wants us to enjoy what he's given us. He wants us to enjoy creation, to enjoy relationships, to enjoy our times when we come together and, and worship. And so God wants joy to be full in our lives. That's his purpose there, everything to enjoy. And he goes on, he says, and those rich people, they need to do this too. They are to do good. They're to be rich in good works. They're to be generous generous. You know what? He doesn't just say generous with money. They are to have a spirit of generosity that manifests in every area of their life when it comes to grace or forgiveness or, or love, right? To be generous, to be generous, to have a generous heart and ready to share. As they do this, they store up for themselves a good foundation for the future so they can really take hold of that which is truly life. So, folks, what he's saying is control your money. Don't let your money control you. You've probably heard the statement that says money is a great servant but a terrible master, right? So let's keep our hearts right about money. Again, remember that scripture we already read there in Psalm 62? If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. How many people want an increase in riches in your life, an increase in finances? I do. I hope everybody does, okay? We want more so we can give more. We want more not to live better, or to not to, to live better, but to give better. Amen? Amen. That's what God's putting in our heart. Uh, let, me, let me give one quick little reminder here. The reminder is this. Money does not validate you or me, all right? Money doesn't validate us. It's amazing to me. I have to, as I get older, you know, those commercials about people get old and they always want to uh, gripe or complain or tell you about all the things. But, I, you know, I just it amazes me that all of a sudden somebody can, um, you know, they can have a gift from God, maybe a talent to sing or, or something, and they can use that gift and get really, really rich. And then all of a sudden people think that they're really, really smart. That's a big leap, folks. <laughs> I know lots of stupid rich people, Okay. <laughs> right? 
I mean, just because you can get on television or you can get online and you can do dumb things or be crude and rude and act all kinds of crazy and get a lot of people to hit the like button and you get money for it, that doesn't mean you're smart, right? It doesn't validate who you are. Okay, only God can validate who you are. And while I'm at it, let me just go ahead and say this. If you have to have money to make you better, it won't. So what about money? Here's some principles to practice real quickly. All right, real quickly, just give you a few principles. Uh, some wise guidelines. These are not religious uh, laws, uh, regulations that you have to follow. Follow. I think these are just some, some wisdom um, that uh, I've picked up and that uh, others have uh, shared with us. Number one, you ready? This is going to blow your socks off right here. Number one, don't spend more than you make. Mm. Um, okay, don't spend more than you make, all right? Um, th- what that's called is, is going into debt, okay? Uh, if you're in a boat, you know what that's called? You're sinking, okay? You're sinking. Don't, make more, don't spend more than you make. Second, I would say tithe first, okay? Uh, be intentional about how you worship God with your giving. I, I, believe in, in, I believe that tithing is the starting point, and I could share with you stories on end about people who started trusting God with just a small percentage, okay? A small percentage. When you get a 10% raise, many people think it's a small percentage, right? Would you rather have 25, 30, 50% increase, right? Small percentage, and then they've increased more and more and say, hey, listen, as, as God has been faithful, I want to do more and more. So start with, your, uh, start with tithing um, in your giving there. Next, um, save a little for a rainy day, all right? Just put some money away. Don't spend all that you make. Save some. Save it for an emergency, and if you don't have an emergency, then take a vacay. So, right? um, uh, Next, save first and then spend. Save first and then spend. Save up for the thing that you want. Save up for the trip that you want to take. Whatever it is, save up for it. Do you know what we do is we say, I really need this thing, and so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the cruise. I'm going to spend the money. I'm going to buy the thing, and then by the time we've paid it off, we hate the thing. I used to love that car. Now this car is driving me crazy. It's seven years old and still isn't paid for. I've refinanced it right. This dumb car, I need a new one. When you get into a cycle, don't do that, all right? Save first and then spend. Use credit for convenience, not comfort. Use credit. I I use credit cards, but I can tell you, um, we try to use it. We try to use it for convenience. We're not having to carry money, but we want to have the money in hand to pay for it, okay? So just because you've got a credit card, I know somebody, knew somebody, then in college, when we were dating, when we were dating, <laughs> that um, her dad had to explain to her that just because you have checks doesn't mean you don't that you have money. Okay, just because you, that card still works, you're still you're going to have to pay it off, right? So credit is not money; it's debt. Okay, it's debt. Here's another one: work diligently. Work diligently. I really want to do a a message sometime just on a um, ethic, on a th- the theology of work. You know, work is a glorious thing. Hey, can I meddle just a little bit and say, when Christians go on the job, can I tell you what we should be? We should be the best workers at the job, okay? 
We, we really should. We should be the best. You know why? Because we don't just work for a job, at a job. We don't just work for the boss. We work for the Lord, right? So Proverbs says it like this. It says, the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Next, keep a good attitude. Keep a good attitude all the time. Be content, all right? Be content. Well, I'm not content at this job. I'm not content with making this amount. Okay, if you'll get your heart right, then maybe God can trust you with promotion and trust you with more, okay? And finally, let me just say this. Practice, or a couple more things. Practice intentional generosity. Be sure to practice intentional generosity. Look for opportunities to be generous to people. We've said it before in the years ago. Every now and then, buy somebody's meal behind you in line, all right? Now, I've learned what I do from now on is I ask what the people are getting before I buy, okay? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> if they're buying lunch for the whole company, I said, well, the Lord bless them, you know. And, and, but um, practice intentional generosity. Look for people that you can share with and give to. Okay, finally, trust, your, trust God with your heart, with your life, and with your money. Man, man, we've got to. We've got to be a people who stay plugged into God's economy, his laws of sowing and reaping. I know we don't give to get, folks. We don't, that's not our heart. We don't give to get. But can I tell you that in God's economy, you cannot give and not get. That's just how, that's just how it works. That's God's economy. As a matter of fact, uh, God puts it like this. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. He, um, he's writing to the church in Corinth, and I think this is interesting. He's writing to the church in Corinth, which is in southern Greece, about the church in Macedonia, which is uh, the churches of Macedonia, was, which is up in the northern area. <clears throat> and he's writing to them, really, to provoke them to greater generosity. <clears throat> and so he tells the testimony of the Macedonian church, what they're doing to the Corinthian church. Be like us saying, hey, you know what that church around? They're doing this, and, and, and they're giving this much, and their holiday ministry is offering, but we're going to give more, amen? Ooh. I said, there's that church over there, right? And they're going to give a holiday ministry offering, but we're going to give more, right? That's what he, okay. All right, so he says this. He goes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God. Great, you know, giving is a grace, it's a grace that God gives us. Giving, okay, says, we want you to know about the grace of God that's been given among the brothers, the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, circle that word in your Bible, highlight it. Can I tell you, these people, when I, when I thought affliction, they were just having some struggles. You know what was really happening? That they were one of the first places where Rome occupied and took them into slavery. So, so these slaves who were suffering okay, and specifically suffering as, as Christians, says this, it says that in for a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, in their afflictions, they had an abundance of joy, and even though they had great poverty, the scripture says they overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their parts. I pray that could be said about us. I pray it could be said about me. Man, you know, we get a little extra bill comes in, a little extra challenge comes in, the car breaks down, you know, or the car that you love sits in the church parking lot for weeks because you can't get it fixed yet, you know? I mean, and, and we, we, do I pull back? No way. He says, for they gave according to their means, and as I can testify, they gave beyond their means. They did more than we could believe possible. 
He says, and they did this all of their own accord. They begged us earnestly for the favor of taking part in this offering for the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, okay, they didn't do what we expected. They did a whole lot more than we expected. And here's why. Because they first gave them, they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then they gave themselves to us by the will of God. See where it starts? Where does it start? It starts in giving ourselves to the Lord. Okay? So if we're having a problem with how we're dealing with our money, we might want to say, no, have we really given ourselves to the Lord? He goes on, he says, accordingly, we urge Titus that as he started, so should he complete this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in the Corinthian church, we, if you read about it, they excelled in everything and spiritual gifts and uh, they saw a little bit of stuff they had to get straightened out in their lives. But he said they, they excelled in their faith and in their speech and in their knowledge and in their earnestness. And you excel even in our love for you. He says, see also that you excel in this grace of giving, this grace of generosity. He says, I'm not saying it is a command, but I'm saying it so that you can prove by the earnestness of others that your love is genuine. Can I tell you that the way that you give to the Lord, the way that you give to others, the way that you practice generosity, okay, it, it shows how you value people. It shows what's in your heart and what's in my heart. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus poured himself out. He gave everything that he had. He left the riches and splendor of heaven to come and to humble himself, to take on the form of a man, that he could die as a man, that we who were bound in poverty and slavery to sin could be set free and have life. Everything that we've received, we receive it from the Lord. Amen. So he says, the Corinthians, he goes on, he says, so folks, in all, for all that you've received, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, not under force, but do it cheerfully because God loves a cheerful giver. And as we do this, listen to what it says. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you, having all sufficiency in all things at all times, may abound in every good work. God wants you to have enough. Listen, God wants you to have enough to be able to pay your bills. God wants you to have enough to be able to, to bless and to minister to other people. Folks, I'm telling you, listen, this is not a prosperity gospel. You know what this is? This is a provision gospel. And can I tell you, my God is able to provide exceedingly abundantly above all that we can think or ask. Provision means that he provides enough for you and enough for you to share with somebody else. How many people want that kind of provision in your life? I certainly do. I really do. It's God's delight to provide and to see that his children have all that they need so they can abound, so that they can be a blessing everywhere they go. Everywhere they go. Amen. 
He who, see, he's who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the body, bread for the food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. I, I love this real quickly. Remember in the Old Testament, the people gave abundantly, they built the temple, they worshiped, they sacrificed, and it, and it resulted in worship and in thanksgiving and celebration. I mean, they, they had a, a crazy party and everybody took stuff home with them. It was amazing. I tell you, that same thing is true today. God wants his people to abound and to be generous because as we are generous with others, you know what will happen? It produces thanksgiving to God on your behalf. Have you ever been used by God to be able to bless somebody? I don't know about you, but man, I think that's one of the greatest things in the world. To see somebody in need and to be able to, hey, we're going to help them. We're going to help supply their need. We're going to help meet their need. We're going to help bless them. We're going to help give into, the, into their lives and into their ministry and to, into how they're impacting the kingdom of God. How joy it brings to our hearts. So to be generous in this, it says, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Amen. Amen. Do you want to help people be thankful to God? Then let's let our hearts be right with God and generous, generosity flow through our lives. Amen? So let me close with, um, with just this, this question here. I want you to ask yourself this question and ask the Holy Spirit. The Psalms tells us that there were many times David said, search me, O God. Know my thoughts. Know my heart. See if there's anything wrong in my heart today. God, I want you to search us, Holy Spirit. I want to ask you first and foremost, does your heart belong to God? Today, does your heart belong to God? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you accepted him as Lord and Savior of your life? Have you, have you said, God, I want to freely receive of, of the amazing provision you've made for me in Jesus. God, I give you my heart. I give you my life. How many people say today, I fully want to give all that I am, my heart, my life, everything that I have. I want to say right now, God, I surrender it to you. I surrender to you. If that's you, just lift your hand right now and say, God, I surrender everything I am. I realize I receive everything from you. And so I, I right now, you have my life, right? You have my gifts, my talents, my resources, my money. It's all yours. Anybody else said, that's me, God. I give it to you now. Amen. Amen.